I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wise Men Say, Sun FM Preview Show with Stephen Goldsmith Barker. All things Sunderland. Welcome along to the Wise Men Say, the preview show on Sun FM. Getting the hang of this, uh, doing it on my own thing. Stretching across the studio to try and do all the radio things that you have to do. Which you've just succeeded in doing first time, for the first time in a while. And we're joined by James Huntner, because Stephen's still not back. So, have got James Huntner here from the Evening Chronicle. Some of the wise men say regular listeners are pretty familiar with him. I don't think you've ever been on Good the evening, preview guys. show. No, this is my debut. Well, there you go. And we've got Richard Easterbrook, who used to do what James did somewhere else. Now he does something else somewhere else. Yeah, very mysterious. Oh, turn your mic up, that would help. I thought it was just making quiet go. again. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. it works, yeah. Hello, everyone. Yeah, so that was good, wasn't it? That was a good start. A bit rubbish. But, you know, I think we'll get there in the end. But yes, we've got a couple of games to preview tonight, which is quite good. I promise Stephen he'll be back uh, next week. He's just he's departing his lovely trip to Croatia this evening. He's been had a lovely few weeks off and left me with a mess to clean up. So, you know, thanks, Stephen. And it'll be... Uh, be putting a lot of pressure on you on your return. I'm sure you'll be listening on the flight on the way back. Well, but basically, well, he'll have no pre-season at all, will he? No, nah, he he's not going to have that in his nah, legs. He'll have to get do his pronunciation practice, <laughs> which he's never done in his life. Um, but yeah, we've got two games to preview tonight, and that we'll have a Norwich guest on uh, later. Gentleman called Steve Cook, who's from My Football Right. The wise men say listeners might be familiar with Nor- the Norwich blog My Football Right when we've had. Uh, Gary Gower's on um, a few times, but Gary couldn't do it tonight, so he's passed it on to Steve, who apparently is, and I've double-checked this, a, a big advocate of the Friendly Cup, which is a vital prerequisite if you're going to be a Norwich fan coming on the show. Um, but first, obviously, we've got Berry um, tomorrow night, Thursday night. It's a bit strange for a League Cup game. Obviously, Thursday, it's football a week now on the television. Um, are we expecting lots of changes going into the game? Has he got that many options in certain areas to change it? Not really. I think um, I think you know there aren't enough fit senior players to to make wholesale changes to you know to certainly not to to name another eleven or anything like that. Um, I expect that, that there'll be limited changes, uh, three or four possibly something something like that. But I think he'll want to keep the the core, the nucleus of the team that that performed well against Derby on Friday night, because ultimately. He'll want that first win of the season. He'll want to try and build on that performance. The last thing you want to do is is get get caught out and find yourself kicked out of the cup at the first hurdle and every, bring everybody on a downer again. I mean, you sport him, didn't you? On Monday was it? On Monday. Monday, Monday so, afternoon. I mean, what was kind of his sort of implications in, in the conversation? What, what, did he give any suggestions that he might, you know, change up certain areas but keep certain? I know you mentioned about. The router situation and steel and yeah. the temptation obviously is to change your goalkeeper in the cups, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but he was kind of talking about building some sort of togetherness in in certain areas of the pitch. That's it. I think they need to um, develop 
some partnerships. There were some some si- early signs against Derby, and it's a case of uh, you know trying to develop those still further. Um, I still think there's a chance that Robin Rooter could play um, tomorrow night. Uh, I, I couldn't hang my hat on it. I, I did ask. He was a little bit um, evasive about it, um, uh, which you could take one way or, or the other. Um, but I, I, th- I think you know there's not much there's not much ground so there's not much room to make changes further up up the field. Obviously, uh, James Vaughan and, and Lewis Graben are the only two senior strikers. I suppose uh, it could be an opportunity for Joel Osoro. I think if Josh Madjo had been fit, he would have uh, certainly figured. But uh, but we understand that he's still out, so uh, so that's not a. Uh, a viable alternative. So I think I think there'll be you know as I say three or four changes, but but nothing major. Do you want to offer up a third dif- a different pronunciation of Router because we've had two different ones? You can I, you can call them Reuter if you want. Yeah, I, I read it as Router, but then again, I thought it was Reuter to start with, and yeah. you said Router. So it's like the Kout that was that started out as Kite and then Kite then Coot and <laughs> a, a variety of things. <laughs> well, on goalkeepers, I guess obviously when you. At the Northern Neck, or you would have covered Middlesbrough fairly regularly. Yeah, yeah. Did. So obviously you've seen probably Steele more than most of us in the room. Yeah, I would I would definitely say that. Um, I've probably seen more more of Steele than than the average bear. I covered Middlesbrough quite a lot when I was there. So um, yeah, he's he's a quality goalkeeper. I was really surprised to see him play so poorly against Celtic, albeit in a pre-season friendly. I was I didn't expect that at all. That said, I didn't see him when he was at Blackburn. Um, when he left Middlesbrough. I know a lot of Middlesbrough fans said that that they were disappointed to see him leave. Um, he was quite a popular guy among, around the club, and he had a bright future. You know, he was he was first choice in the under twenty ones when um, when Jack Butland was both coming through at the same time as well, um, and he got a place in the Olympic squad. Um, so you know, his career was was pretty well set from what five years ago. But now, I mean, looking at him against Celtic, you thought that's not the same player at all. But he needed that game on Friday night against Derby. I know his, you know his his handling in the first half yeah, was a couple of bit couple of slips here and there. Mm. But you know his his catching in the second half, he came out to get a couple of crosses, and he seemed to gain in confidence as the game went on. So I think he's got that in the bag now. Um, that said, Thursday night probably a chance for Router to, to you know to take his claim as well and get a bit of game time. I think I'll be interested in it because that was one of the things that wasn't quite settled. Steele came in after Router played those two games and everyone kind of thought, well, at the moment you'd probably say Router's going to be the, the number one. Then he's had to go with Steele. It's a bit of a funny one, isn't it, to think, well, I'll just change my goalkeeper because I had him in mind to be my number one. Originally, it's one of those things where it's almost like you, you play until you make too many mistakes and then you get dropped. Yeah, I think you know from uh, from the point of view of uh, of Ruta, he he played very poorly against Celtic. Um, there's no getting away from that. I think you know when you look at the, the early stage, to make a mistake in that first five minutes is obviously a nightmare start uh, for any any player on his on his debut at a new club. Um, to be fair to him, he was you know sold a bit of a hospital back pass. Mm. Um, but speaking to to um, you know people within football they say well it's quite simple what you do is you whack the ball into the crowd and then play hell with the guy that gave you the hospital pass you don't pass the hospital pass onto somebody yeah, else give them a hospital pass yeah. um, so uh, so yeah he was he was he was at fault for that and it obviously knocked his confidence i think he he was um, short of match practice it was his first game he was so desperate to do well uh, i know obviously all, all players should should be this way but you when i speak to the new players you can really tell who who is 
uh, absolutely desperate to to bust the gut for the club and, and make a name for themselves and, and wants to do well. And he really came across as the kind of person that saw this as a, as a huge move for him. And that this is this is you know the club where he wants to to make make a name for himself and make an impression, the kind of impression that that he wasn't able to do uh, at Middlesbrough. So I really wanted him to to do well. So it was a, such a shame in that Celtic game. However, he did redeem himself against uh, Derby, one or two sort of early wobbles, not notwithstanding. Um, but as far as Root is concerned, on on Thursday night, if you don't play him in this game, when when is going to be the right time to to bring him in? Because unless uh, you're waiting for for Steele to make a a real clangor in in a championship game, if you don't play Rooter in the cup, when are you going to give him an opportunity to to play some competitive football? Um, it didn't surprise me on that um, opening game that. Uh, Simon Grayson went with uh, Jason Steele just because he's got so much more experience at championship level, you know, 200 and odd games as opposed to, to none for, for Ruta. So I think that he, he played it safe by going for the experience, man. I think it's <clears throat> going back to a point you made actually there about players who have come in with hunger. You've probably spoken to most of the new players now, and on Friday night we definitely saw a hungry Sunderland team, Sunderland team who wanted to do the right things, you know. Make an impression on the game, be positive. You know, when you've spoken to the other players who were brought in, do you think that's reflect what you saw in Steels kind of reflected in them as well? Yeah, I think so. I think that I think all the players that have that have arrived at the club are seeing this as uh, you know as a step up and an opportunity for them. Whereas in the past, uh, a charge that you could could level at Sunderland is that they've that they've often brought in players um, who have been on a downward curve at clubs because. Those were the players that the club were able to attract in the Premier League. Um, whereas here they've got they've got players who who want to go on and make a name for themselves and see this as a as a big step up and that's a uh, you know a positive thing from Sunderland's point of view. They have got you know hunger and desire and uh, and commitment. You're back to almost I know you you're looking back over a decade, but you're bringing the kind of players in that say Mick McCarthy brought in when when he was uh, you know launching promotion campaigns at. Uh, at the Stadium of Light here, he brought in the likes of you know Dean Whitehead and um, Liam Lawrence and, and people. Andy people Welsh, like was what fifteen thousand, I think he cost from Stockport. Yeah, and you know these people, you know, were were not well known to Sunderland fans when when they arrived, but they certainly made an impression. And um, you know, many, several of them went on to to have decent Premier League careers. So especially uh, Liam Lawrence and, and Dean Whitehead yeah. for mm. the top level for. Quite a long time, yeah. really, and, and obviously Danny Collins as well is yeah. another one. And so. they were just plucked from obs- obscurity, really, by uh, by Mick McCarthy. And I, I guess that Simon Grayson's doing or t- trying to do a very very similar thing. Uh, that's another thing about positivity from Friday. Even though it was a draw, there was a lot of positivity in the attitude of the players and, and the performance and and, and the result because we did go behind and we've seen so many times Sunderland collapse. And and now we're going to the game on Thursday. Obviously, we'll get on to Sunday as well, which depends on which side your bread's buttered. You'd argue Sunday is definitely the most important, the more important game of the two at this stage. Um, but the, the last thing you want to do is go in there tomorrow night and get beaten by Bury because that just sucks all that energy out, doesn't it? Yeah, you need need a, especially you know a club like Sunderland that have been. Very much in a losing mentality over the last eighteen months, if not longer. It feels like eighteen months. <laughs> I think I'm, you've been, been kind. I've been very <laughs> kind, yeah. 
18 years. It feels like it. like 18 years. So to put, even put two wins together, regardless of it being in different competitions, that's, that's got to start building something at least. So, you know, not, not losing the game, winning the game would be great. Well, I mean, so you, you, you can't. You, you can't. Well, something going into the game, and you, they can't, they can't go into it thinking anything, anything other than a win for Sunderland is a is a bad result. So you know they they have to they have to meet that expectation, even if he does make the changes. I mean, like you say up front, you'd, you'd expect Vaughan will play. I guess one option he could, if he wanted, he could maybe put an extra midfielder in, maybe someone like Kazri who plays in the ten, or he could move. Honeyman inside, even though he played pretty well from the right hand side uh, against Derby. I mean, what what do you think he might do, James? Um, I think you know you might well well see players like Kazri and involved players that were on the bench and weren't used. Um, wouldn't surprise. Well, that's me. all of them. <laughs> Indeed, um, but I think you know uh, you know Kazri, Gibson, O'Shea—they're the kind of people I think that that will that will be brought in uh, if he does decide to make. Changes against Barry uh, because I think that, uh, uh, as you rightly say, anything other than a win is uh, is going to be a very poor result. And by when I say anything other than than a win, what I mean is it's it's okay drawing the game and winning on penalties and getting through to the next round, but that's still a poor result. Even though you're in the yeah. next round, I think you you know you have to be looking tomorrow for for Sunderland to go to Barry and win, not just get through, but I mean win. That's what you don't want, is it? That fans as well to be going, oh, same old. Like you know, typical Sunderland. You know, there was a sort of a bit of a shimmer of a light, and we're quickly being brought back down to earth. And I think at the moment it's so important that, even though it's early in the season, it's early days for Grace and early days for this squad, and the squad's still not complete yet because there's still what good three, four weeks of the transfer window to go. That they, you know, give give people something to be hopeful about. I know we always say it's a hope, it can't stand, and all that, but they need to keep that momentum going and. Hopefully tomorrow night we'll see a positive result against Bury and then that'll be massively important going in against Norwich because that's going to be an incredibly difficult game. And when we come back, we're going to hear from Steve Cook from my football writer who's going to give us the lowdown on Norwich City. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Wise Men Say, Sun FM Preview Show, with Stephen Goldsmith and Gareth Barker. All things Sunderland. We're back with Steve Cook from um, My Football Writer, a sort of Norwich blog, stroke fan site type thing, I assume. Is that correct, Steve? That's right, mate. Mixture of content. But, uh, yeah, local Mixture writers, of content. Uh, there you yeah. go. 
positive and negative and all of yeah, that. Yeah, but usually because for, for years actually Gary Gowers was uh, he put us in touch with yourself, Stephen. Gary was the second guest we ever had on Wise Men's here. Um, was he? Was four, he? Is he a hard act ago. to follow? Well, we'll find. Well, yeah. Well, I guess well maybe it's just laziness on our behalf that we just don't. But he's, <laughs> the main reason is, as I say, we all kind of joke about. It, but he is a massive advocate of the friendly cup. We kind of have this discussion every time. So I mean, is that the real tension? Are you losing sleep at night, sort of worrying? You know, what are you going to retain well, I, I, the friendly I, I, cup? Lose you? I can't even remember who actually has the friendly cup at the moment. Probably yours, isn't it? Us, isn't it? Yeah, it, I think it is you, yeah. and it still hurts. I, 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 I try myself to sleep every night, basically, at the prospect. But I was actually at the uh, at the the game um, in '85 at Wembley. Okay, and uh, and sort of obviously good memories from from that occasion. I've I've always had this horrible sneaky suspicion that had the had the result been the other way, that we wouldn't have been quite as friendly as you guys were. <laughs> Because it's, it's really easy to be gracious in victory as we were that day, but your fans are actually different class. So, uh, as I say, that nagging suspicion that had it been you boys that walked away with the milk cup that day, the friendly cup might not have actually been born at all. We were just ha- happy with the day out, probably. So, you know, that, that was ge- that's the general consensus when Sunderland do something that's relatively okay for a bit. <laughs> we're kind of just all generally like, oh, that was quite nice, wasn't it? As long as they don't yeah, completely embarrass different. themselves. I mean, t- t- tell us, Steve, were there real ructions when you lost the friendly cup last time out? You know, was was town smashed up? You know, gentlemen's walk was not, was not there for gentlemen. That's it. Torches and pitchforks and mass demonstrations <laughs> against the board calling for Delia's head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you just go down the road and smash up Suffolk, though, instead. Don't mess up your own doorstep I mean you know there's, we... there's not a lot to smash up down there really <laughs> <Ooh. where> <laughs> like it there you go give you see that's what you got to do you got to give people the opportunity to get the digs in and it, uh, <laughs> get, get them in early door, get, you got to get them in there you know it's all right it's, we, like, you know, putting, it's like putting in the crunching tackle in the first five yeah. minutes and it just put your marker in early well, I, 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 guess, I guess the Ipswich fans would definitely have like proper pitchforks actual pitchforks yeah they probably would wouldn't they <laughs> yeah and we haven't, we haven't got yeah we haven't got an Ipswich fan because they've never Obviously, because we're you not being. You couldn't find one, right? Well, they're not being. Well, they're not being in the Premier League when, since we've been in the Premier League. It, um, so we, we have a song about them celebrating their 15 years in the Championship, <laughs> and uh, I think that well, it would be it would be a brave man who'd bet against it them not making it a 16. I think. <laughs> yeah, I think. Well, they've had a good start, haven't they? Unless it goes the other way. They've, they've won two games, I think, haven't they? So there's, you know. The, if any, if if you know, I don't really know what winning two games in a row feels like. So you know, hopefully, <laughs> you know we can win tomorrow night in the cup and then go to Norwich and hopefully get something. But that's on, officially a run, then, isn't it? Yeah, that is. Yeah, <laughs> it is a run. Yeah, but you know, looking ahead to the game, a lot of excitement. You know, Norwich, I guess in in the fact that you, it's sort of you've gone down the trendy route where you've kind of recruited a manager from you know it was Dortmund, wasn't it? It was your youth coach at Dortmund. The reserved, the reserved team, yeah. Reserved team the coach. Team, yeah. um, so that's obviously was successful for, for Huddersfield. Um, and it's a bit of a sort of a, a cool thing to do and you kind of do it and hope that it works. And everyone kind of gets very excited and maybe overanalyzes, you know, every little thing that this person's coming to do. It's like somebody does that and all of a sudden the whole football culture at the club's been changed by this one man who's come from this place. I mean, is, what's the mood been like? Is it has it been... So a lot of excitement like that. Is there is there a lot of over over analysis at the moment on, well, on what he's doing? Yeah, I mean you mentioned Huddersfield, and of course it's uh, Stuart Weber 
who um, we actually took from Huddersfield and appointed as our um, sporting director. Okay. So you can see he's obviously got a model <laughs> in place and, he, and he's sticking with it because uh, there was rumours when we took him that we might go after uh, Wagner from Huddersfield and obviously when they got promoted it put pay to that. But um, he's got a lot of contacts and knowledge of, of the German league and rumour has it, and I mean, you, you hear what you want to hear, don't you, that, that um, Farker is, is is regarded higher in Germany than, than Wagner was. Um, and what he's done is uh, he's obviously used his knowledge of the Bundesliga to bring in. We've got four four players out of nine that have come from the German league. And I guess for us, there's that sense of, um, well, I, I guess a lot will depend on their ability to um, to adapt to the game and, and how well they're equipped for championship football. So, so did you it, say they came there from, is a lot of it. Did they come sorry, from God. the Bundesliga, did you say, sorry? Or the yeah, Bundesliga, have, because yeah, I know so. it was, at Huddersfield there was a lot of players from the, the Bundesliga too, wasn't there, that he brought in? So we brought, um, we brought a couple in who've, uh, who played in the Bundesliga and then one who was with him at um, Dortmund too. So this guy Zimmerman, a central defender, who was his captain in the, in the reserve team. So that's effectively, I guess, the German fourth tier, which, um, again, kind of, yeah, it tempers it tempt, it tempers the uh, the optimism slightly because, you, you you know, as, as you guys all know, when you bring in a new signing, it's always exciting and then you think, right, well, actually, <laughs> who, who the hell is this lad? Well, um, last few seasons not been that exciting when Darren Gibson rocks up or Stephen Pienaar or whatever. So Julian Lescott. Julian Lescott and plays for 15 minutes and is never seen again. But you, I get what you're saying, and it, it, you, that's kind of what I was getting at with the, the managerial appointment as well. There is that, you know, this guy. It's almost like the, the, it's the unknown, the, the the excitement around it. This person could be the person to reignite whatever, and it's different and it's new. And obviously, you're going to get that as well with the, like you say, a player coming in from essentially the fourth division. But because it's this manager, you go well, oh well, he must be good enough because he wouldn't have brought him with him otherwise. And Time will yeah, tell, I guess. I mean, has there been any early signs that, that in, in pre-season? I don't know how much of pre-season you've seen that there's a very clear identity in the way he wants the players and how so, the players work in that system. I mean, in one of his in, in one of his first press conferences, he, he kind of set his stall out, so to speak, and talked around you know his philosophy. And he said, "Well, I want to I want to retain possession. We want to have a clear identity. So when you're watching an orange side, you want to make it wants you to be apparent that it is." A, a team with a clear identity. We're going to press hard off the ball, and and you kind of all the things that, as fans you kind of go, oh, this is going to be brilliant, and then you realise actually, well, it's just words because you know, with the greatest will in the world, I I could say all of that and talk about how we're going to keep it tight at the back and score goals for fun, but it's really about the the team's ability to put it into practice. One thing that he has done is uh, change the training regime. So there's been a lot of comments from the players about the additional sessions they've done and the different focus. Um, and they're working a lot harder because obviously that kind of style of football where you are pressing high off the ball uh, requires a different level of fitness but that perhaps we didn't see last season. Um, one of the things that I think will test the fans a little bit is because we're playing this possession-based game, it's quite slow, it's quite deliberate. And that's, I guess, fine if you're bossing the game and watching your defenders exchanging passes for 
for sort of ball after ball. But you know, if you're chasing the game and if the fans become nervous, then I can't imagine it will take too long before you kind of get the cries of launch it. Mm. I was just about to say. I mean, is that the kind of that's kind of what happened at Sunderland under Poyet? It's like when you when things aren't going well and it's kind of slow build up and you know keeping the ball sort of Sunderland fans I think generally quite like a, a bit more not long ball but be more a bit direct and, and try and a bit get more it direct right. and yeah. dynamic yeah. and I think it's it's when it's it's fine but it's when it's you need to feel that the game's being played at pace don't you because at the end of the day you don't sit there to watch two six foot four Germans knocking square balls to each other for hours on end but um I mean, so far it, it, it looks good, and one of the things that uh, one of the sort of recurring themes um, in terms of the sort of comment and analysis has been the call for patience to say, you know, this is a complete rebuild of the squad. Um, they are learning; it will take time for the for the for the sort of squad to settle down and get used to the new playing style. And, and there is that kind of implicit plea to the supporters to say, well, you know recognise what we're doing, recognise what we're up against and show patience. And I think, for me, as much as I'd love to say, yeah, the Norwich fans will stick with it, there is, I've always felt there's that slightly simmering undercurrent that things aren't going away. It doesn't take too long before certain sections of the crowd kind of throw, throw the toys out of the pram. And a lot, you know, a lot depends on expectations. I think um, certainly, certainly last year, I think we suffered because I think there was a, there was a, a slight sense that well we'll get relegated we'll keep our best players and we'll have too much about us not to just come bouncing straight back up and obviously you know when that doesn't when that doesn't happen people start to to start to question why and it all got a little bit acrimonious I think I think a lot of the time we hear that we hear very much the same things from from new managers uh, you know there are always there's always uh, uh, Time for patience, and uh, it's going to take time to put a squad together, and time to for the new players to settle in, and want to build a system and, and a style and an identity. And we hear this more and more, and it's basically because of the turnover of managers. Nobody gets the opportunity to actually bring these plans to fruition. And so, before you know it, in twelve months' time, you've got somebody else there who's making saying the same things. <laughs> and I think that's the same across football, not just not obviously just at Norwich; it's everywhere. I think that's a really good point, and I guess one of the things that that's come out of this change in dynamic with the sporting director and and the head coach is that arguably, or, or so the logic goes, that actually a change in head coach is less kind of damaging to the overall direction and strategy than than a kind of traditional first team manager, because the sporting director is heavily involved in the player recruitment side. Yeah. And so, actually, it's not like a, you've got that traditional first-team manager that's brought in all his own players and then the new guy immediately wants to rehash the squad. The, the kind of coach should be <laughs> should be less integral, perhaps, and it's, it's a dynamic that kind of exists between the sporting director and the coach and obviously then the, the first-team squad. Yeah, you're right. So I mean, the theory goes, well, anyway. We've, 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 <laughs> seen, we've, we've, we've yeah. seen this at Sunderland and it did not end well. You've <laughs> got to have the right fo- director of football to uh, to make that work. And I think the, the the big thing from my point of view um, as a journalist is when you look at it is when things do go wrong, uh, you know, who's responsible? Because uh, it's always the coach that gets the <laughs> gets the sack and, uh, it's, and if he's the person that, and, and he hasn't been given a, a free hand to bring the players in, then where exactly does the blame lie? It, it makes it very easy for, for both coach and director of football to hold their hands up and say, not me, go over the other guy. But I guess, you know, if, if, if Fark's coming in from a 
yeah. culturally. Of course. You know, he's going to be think he's not going to have that. I can understand if it was yeah. like, you know, an English manager yeah. who's not used to that system having a twist about it or somebody who's oh, you yeah, know, the, managed in this they country. Know what they're a lot, but, yeah. They know what they're walking into, but, but even so, you know, you never, there's always a feeling that you never really own the success and you're never really responsible for the failure, I think. I think changing changing uh, the culture at really England good. Good. Changing the culture at Sunderland was so difficult because it was in the Premier League and it was like changing a tyre when you're on the motorway. I think dropping down into the Championship, if if you know if if Norwich have been able to change culture and have this massive you know ideological turnaround right at the top, and they're going to be given the chance, they're going to be given the patience, they're going to be given the chance to kind of grow into the league a little bit more. You, you just don't get that in the Premier League. I think, I think that's a really good point, and and I mean we we experienced that. In terms of when when Alex Neil was in charge and, and he got relegated, and we had this we had this bizarre final game in the relegation season where we we battered Watford, and we and that was the night that the relegation was confirmed, and, it, and you'd have thought it was a party because the whole crowd was elated and we were singing all the songs, and Alex Neil came out afterwards saying you know he was expecting to get absolute pelters. And we were really surprised by the reaction. And I think what we saw was that maybe a couple of months later there was a, a massive hangover from that because everyone suddenly thought, well, hang on a minute, no, this isn't good enough and this isn't right. And and it, all, it, it really got quite poisonous. And, you know, when you point about who's to blame at the club, we have a tendency that all, all roads stop with Delia. Yeah. So <laughs> it, when things aren't going right, that's where you start to get the comments about the ownership and the, and the, the kind of overarching... Uh, direction that the club's been going at. It's, n- it's never been the same since she brought that uh, like ready meal cookbook thing out, has it? I mean, it's all gone downhill <laughs> since then. Really, she sold herself out. You well, know. I was thinking well, about a, a recipe for success yeah. joke there, but I decided to. Yeah, decide yeah, to I, I, I thought I'd try and there. Uh, a little glint in my eye there. In there. I, think, anyway. I think where, where you were saying originally about about uh, Farker coming in and there being excitement about it, though, I think there's a, there's a good point to be made around that, and that's that because there are so many. Uh, you know, such a great managerial turnover. Now we see so many of the, of the same managers going into and out of jobs. So when you bring somebody in who's genuinely new, be it you know Wagner at uh, at um, Huddersfield or Farker down at Norwich, uh, gives the fans hope that there's that there is actually you know something new going on as opposed to just one of the same old tired recycled names that are out there. I'm really glad you said that because I, I, I wrote a piece on my football writer in response to an interview that. Um, that Ray Wilkins gave on TalkSport around um, where he's basically bemoaning Farker's appointment and then proceeded to list out all the uh, English managers that you know had been overlooked for the role. And for me, it was just, again, this kind of tired old list of names of, of people that have failed elsewhere. Yeah. And you sometimes think, well, OK, as you say, the manager will merry-go-round of, of, of the same old names that turn up, do a job for a season before they, before they move on somewhere else. And you think... The club, the club had become very stale and stagnant, and, and you could, and not only you know in, in, within the hierarchy and within the management structure, but also within the squad. So, I think bringing in, bringing in a new new model, bringing in uh, this, the foreign head coach, and, and turning over the players. Most fans, I think, are, are probably in that place where they just they're just so relieved that something's changed because it felt quite stale for quite a while. I think as well, you know, going back to your point about the the attitude towards the the appointment of these English managers or the managers who should get a chance. Generally, they're on the market because they've been sacked. They haven't they haven't left a club to go somewhere else. I mean, bizarrely, I guess Allardyce at Sunderland is probably the most recent only one who's 
gone somewhere, done something, and yeah. then has been offered the opportunity to do something better afterwards. I mean, yeah. don't want to get bogged too bogged down in this kind of thing, but like you know, I mean, Tim Sherwood's a prime example of someone who got an opportunity at a massive club in Tottenham, and now he's kind of I don't know if he was still at Swindon, but oh, no, he left what him. on earth was gone. going on there? I mean, yeah. he got his opportunity there, and he absolutely destroyed that club. So yeah. Yeah. you know, there's and we gave an opportunity to Paolo Di Canio, obviously you. You know, yeah, he's not an English manager, but all of his football's rooted in England, and obviously he had that job at Swindon. We took him, and you know the rest is uh, history. And he hasn't had a job since. So, and you he's know, a, never know. He's a prime example of what I was saying earlier of someone who who'll say to you, "Well, these weren't the players that I wanted." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they weren't the players that we wanted either, yeah. Paolo. So, <laughs> <laughs> on reflection, but trying to get back to the game yeah. um, the weekend because we kind of have tangented a little bit. Um, so wait. Where, the, where are the threats do you think of Norwich obviously I don't know how you viewed the um, the Oliveira story because it was one of those where I was looking at thinking I bet there's been more made of this by everybody outside Norwich and people at Norwich themselves because it was a, a nice little thing wasn't it that, that little set to on the touchline I felt a bit sorry for Fark when he went to kiss him on the head and he uh, kind of Binned him, binned him off, didn't he? A little bit. He did. He did. He, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it's one that's completely divided the uh, the fan base because yeah, mo- well, there's some who will basically say, "Oh, it's brilliant, isn't it?" There's the passion that's been missing all this time, and there's a the player that's desperate to play for the club and making his point because he was because he was benched, and then others who who probably point out that it's a massive, massive lack of respect and and kind of disrespect not only for the coach but but also for his teammates. Um, I think it was misguided. I think it's um, it's interesting because Vark has kind of dismissed it, but he, he he probably wasn't anticipating that kind of test so early on. You know, that's his first game in charge, and there's already you know a, a slight sign of of unrest mm. or an issue that he's he's had to to quash. And um, so he dropped him completely from the squad that played in the cup game yesterday against Swindon, and uh, and Jerome scored and, um, and worked really hard so I imagine Nelson will find himself on the bench but I mean talking to the threats I guess last season we were good going forwards I think we were joint top scorers with your close friends and neighbours uh, Newcastle um, so going forward scoring the goals was never an issue it's just at the back that, uh, that we leaked like no one's business and unfortunately despite having I mean, three new defenders across the back um, already this season. We've shipped in a couple of goals from set pieces. So, looking forward to Sunday, you'd say there's there's goals in the game because we do carry a threat going forwards. Um, Wes Houlihan is now in his testimonial season, or his Wesdemonial, as it's been called. He's come a long way since uh, not celebrating against Aston Villa in case he signed for them, which is one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen in a football <laughs> match, I think. <laughs> That probably that probably won't feature in his ten year <laughs> celebration and history of career highlights. I mean, he he's an absolute he's an absolute legend, and he is a magician on his day. He he came on against Sunderland, and and he was the one that played the the killer ball through to Nelson for the equaliser. And he just it's it's funny when you look across his time at the club. Whenever whenever the clubs kind of moved away from him, or you we brought new players in, or have you we, we've tended to struggle and we, and we always turn it around when Wes comes back in so you know I think he's 35 now so this probably will be his his swan song or his final season but on his days he's still unplayable certainly in the championship still time for that move to Villa <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'll take six million now yeah. Yeah. so do you think are you expecting a positive result 
you know, first home game, league game under the new manager, and you know there'll be that sort of excitement there. You'll, you'll have a bit of change in the bank, so to speak. That I doubt there'll be the fans are getting on his back early on if things don't well, go well. So you know yourselves, you know, as, as football fans, you always enter into a new season with kind of full of blind optimism and, and faith and dreams, which tend to get completely shattered by September. So, um, but I'm still in that honeymoon period. I think we'll, I think we'll nick it. I think you'll score, so I've got us down to maybe nick it 2-1. Wise Men Say, Sun FM Preview Show, with Stephen Goldsmith and Gareth Barker. All things Sunderland. Thanks to Steve there um, for coming on. We usually have Gary Gowers on, so we're going to end up in a situation now where um, it's kind of like the steel router situation. Steve's mm. in possession of the shirt. Gary's a reliable guest. So what we're going to do... Steve's holding the shirt up in front of you, pointing at his name, isn't he? Basically, yeah, really, these are really good jokes uh, that we we've done twice now because of a technical problem uh, before. So, you know, it's too hard to come up with new things to say. Like, you know, do you expect too much of us? So we're just going to have to, you know, reuse the material. So there you go. The little insights. See, Steve doesn't like when I do that. I like reveal it's the magic. The scenes. I like yeah. to reveal the magic of radio. Lifting the, the scenes with lifting the velvet rope. I'm like that. Um, you know, on Channel Five, that program that's always on, where it, like it's a magician who's got like a balaclava on, and he shows you how to do all the uh, all the illusions and that. Oh, yeah. I'm like that, but for radio, but not as entertaining. <laughs> um, but I guess we should talk about the Norwich game ourselves, and I think you know Steve covered off a lot of points from the Norwich perspective, and maybe the kind of threat we're going to come under and that we saw against Derby we kind of came out the box really quickly any slight concerns that you know Norwich are going to do the same I mean the slow build up thing's an interesting one but you still think they'll be confident and come at us early on Sunderland's defence hasn't been great to to say the least in pre-season and, and has looked shaky you know is it, how important is it going to be to get through that first 20-25 minutes I know it's a cliche but for the confidence of that back five, whoever whoever's in goal. Yeah, well, it's going to be interesting to see how uh, Simon Grayson approaches it, first of all. I think, um, uh, looking last week, did uh, am I right in saying that Norwich uh, started against Fulham with uh, three centre-backs? Did they? Right? I think they, I, went, I didn't I think they went, went uh, three five two. I, I couldn't be 100% certain, but I, I get a feeling that's the case. Um, and if so, will, will Simon Grayson match that up? He used that system mm. uh, quite a lot. When he was at Preston and at previous clubs, um, so that will be his first question. If Norwich do go that way, will will Sunderland match them, or will they just play their, their a, own game? Do you know if it was a three-five-two or three-four-three? Or I think it was a three-five-two. Was I, it? I'm, I'm, I'm speaking here, and I'm not even a hundred percent certain. I'd have to I'd have to check that, but I, I just have a feeling that I, I read that this week that they were three-five-two against Fulham. Probably one of the things we could have asked um, a Norwich expert. Yeah, we probably should. If only have. we had one on the yeah. phone. We're so focused on you know doing our bit after his bit, and now there's some sort of synergy there, and we we could have exploited that. Never mind. We'll just guess. That's what most pundits do: just make things up as we go along, and then act authoritatively. But um, we, you know, we it would be interesting in there if, if there is a three-four-three. Three. I mean, the two midfielders. We, we spoke about this on Monday. Show how almost are kind of compared it to and I'm not saying the players are the same but kind of compared it to the way that Leicester set up with Canty in there when they won the league with Drinkwater and you're almost at the championship level you can probably get away with an Ndong and, and cut them all in the middle because they're a bit better than the level they're playing at let's be honest they're better than championship footballers so we've kind of got a little bit of an advantage in there so that temptation probably is still there to keep the two up front and we probably do have that 
luxury of having the two up front and we've got two two people up there who could hold the ball up. I know there's some mixed views on Vaughan. Generally grabbing people have suggested he's the players were brought in, he looks the most impressive early on. Yeah. So would you be surprised to see him keep the four four two regardless of what Norwich do? Um, I think he could he could certainly uh, go that way because it's because it's worked against uh, against Derby. Um, I think that uh, you're right in insofar as the expectation. Terrible word. Okay, but I'm going to use it. The expectations are, are different this time for Sunderland in the Premier League. Um, Sunderland spent most of the time on the back foot against teams who were frankly better than them uh, in the Championship. That's not going to be the case. Sunderland are going, going to be the team that are expected to dictate the shape and the pace and, and the tempo, even a lot of the time away from home and even sometimes against uh, teams like, like Norwich who are reasonably strong championship sides. So yeah, I think if you've got a strong team that fits well and is playing well in a four-four-two shape, why why wouldn't you stick with it and if, if uh, make Norwich change their, their shape? I guess one of the great positives from Friday was Sunderland's pressing high up the pitch. Now, if you're going to be playing a side who likes to work the ball across the back, it'd be interesting to see if Sunderland put that press on away from home and then they've got to react then, though, to think, well, do we keep playing out? Do we go along? If he hasn't got a plan B, yeah. then the, that's when the frustration that Steve was talking about yeah. might come into play. Well, if, you know, it's still early days for Farker at Norwich, so whatever the system that he wants to, to develop there, you know, in terms of the slow build-up and patient passing and what have you, it's, it's still early days for, for his players to play that way. So, you know, put them under pressure early on and see if you can force them out of that comfort zone. Um, I know you've mentioned that uh, some people are not convinced about James Vaughan and he certainly, you know, it's not helped missing the two penalties um, and he's, he's yet to score, score his first goal for Sunderland. But even so... I've liked what I've seen. I've liked his energy. I've liked his commitment, his his work rate, and and his willingness to close down. He's certainly uh, not a lazy striker, and, and he, I'm I'm convinced that he he'll he will get goals. He just needs that first one to get off and running. It was a bit unfortunate, wasn't he, on Friday? Yeah. Shot by the post, and missed missed by about an inch. But yeah, you know, the, we're talking about Sunderland getting on the front foot, and wouldn't it be a good statement for Grayson to even go? Because we always talk about Simon Grayson in conservative terms, so when people talk, well, he might show things up, he might. And it, to be fair, on Friday he didn't. I mean, he went with a 4-4-2, which is an unconventional formation in, in modern football, I guess. Um, wouldn't it be nice to see him go to Norwich and go, well, I don't care that we're playing away from home at Norwich. We're good enough to win the game, and we need to do what we're best at and influence the game that way rather than being reactive and letting them settle into the game at home and, and come at us. Yeah, well, it's it's early days in the season, so it's you know the people haven't worked each other out yet. If you know, it's it's probably a good time to play Norwich. Um, if they've if they've got high expectations as they do, um, it's a good time to play them now before those plans are kind of born bearing any kind of fruit. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't be I wouldn't be a fan of of changing our shape to 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 compete no. against them. I think I think that four four two is probably. Making the best of the squad that we have at our disposal, so disposable, disposal. So let's just stick with that, build, build a bit of momentum, and and take our game to Norwich and see where it gets us. I think that you can't underplay the importance of having the option of Indong and Catamol in there. I think it's yeah. massive for us. And it said last season when we went down, if if they had our two starting midfielders, 
not that I'm a championship expert, but not if they are two starting midfielders next year, you'll struggle to find a better midfield two in the championship. And I, from what I saw in one game, I think some of them weren't overran at all by Derby three in the middle. If anything, Sunderland dominated that midfield with that with one man light. Yeah. Um, it's, it's no surprise that that Catam, that's Lee Catamol's first ever championship game. The entirety of his career has been played in the Premier yeah. League, and he, 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 for all the knockers that he gets. He is, he is class, and he showed that class on yeah. Friday night. He I mean, just looked comfortable. This is a lad who was, you know, captain of England twenty ones for many years. You know, and yeah. like you say, made his Premier League debut at seventeen, played in the Premier League for his entire career. Like you say, and you can't. I know, like you say, people will have opinions about him, but you can't argue with that. Really, you know, he would have been found out a lot sooner if he was as bad as some people think he is. Yeah. Um, but he, I mean. It would be unfair, probably, wouldn't it, for him to make any changes. The only change... I was thinking, you know, before Derby would be thinking we need to get Router in as soon as possibly can. It might be a bit harsh on Steele, after, especially when he made that great save at the end of the game, given the opportunity. But I don't know if he will be fit, but I guess Oviedo was probably the other one because Galloway didn't have the best of times, did he, down that left-hand side? He was probably the weak link. A suggestion from uh, Simon Grayson was that Oviedo would not be ready this weekend, but would probably play on sorry would not be ready for the Bury game on Friday would play on Friday if he plays on Friday I can't see him play no he Sunday. won't play Sunday will he no obviously not but I think it'll, it'll be a big boost to have to have him back in the squad as well because you know injury wise you look at it Oviedo I think it'll be an important player this season without doubt and then you've got McNair who might have his detractors but you know at that level he should be pretty decent and obviously Watmore who's going to be if you keep, if you hopefully he's retained that pace that he had before he got injured, because yeah. he might be struggling otherwise. But I think he could what, be massive coming back in September. I think if Watmore, which I'm sure he was watching on Friday night, I think he'd be uh, rubbing his hands together at the prospect of getting a run at some of these championship defences. Yeah. And also potentially playing through that through the middle rather than playing from wide mm. as well. You know, someone like Vaughan would be a good foil for him, just yeah. getting flick ons and, and winning things in behind. And he, you know, he's played as a forward. Was vast majority of his career really before being shoved out wide. It's that typical thing, and it we need to get this player into the team, stick him on the wing. He's because he's quick. He hasn't really got a trick about him, but um, you know, he's he's, he's threat through the middle. But obviously, that's for a few weeks' time. But I think it just goes to highlight that there's a lot of good things potentially to come from Sunderland in the next few weeks, and let's just hope that the next two games don't, you know, knock the wind out of all of our feathers and. Going, I, I was sales even the wind out of our feathers. No. I was thinking mixing about them. a bird. I've mixed my metaphors, haven't yeah. I? What <laughs> was like the feathers based one? Um, feather in the cap. Fe- no, that's no. it's like the worst episode of Catchphrase ever. Bird in hand is worth no. Say what <laughs> you see. Say what you see. Yeah, but no. Anyway, it would be bad if we lost two games of football. It'd be better if we won two games of football, wouldn't it? And I think we can all agree on that, regardless of metaphor. I like a bit of consensus at the end. Yeah. So all positive result. Do you think on Sunday we all going for? A, what would be a positive result? Um, I think uh, positive result avoid avoid defeat. You need you know. Point main thing is if you get a point away from home, I think you're you're always uh, you know relatively happy, particularly against a team like Norwich who are fairly well fancied in, in the championship. So Sheffield avoid defeat. Come the week as well. Yeah. So it's important yeah. to keep there. You know, don't want to go into that game with pressure on. Obviously. Yeah. Love a victory, not uh, you, yeah. you know, goes without saying. But I'm just, I'm just taking a, a more considered approach. Must not lose. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd agree. A draw um, would be, uh, yeah, a re- happy with that. I think not losing right now is the best way forward to get out of that. 
terrible losing mentality that that we need to shake off. Well, we'll pick up next week. Um, Stephen's back. We'll be back with the show on Monday, and then the preview show is back on the Thursday. I know it's been a bit uh, muddled up at the start of the season, but um, hopefully we'll get into some sort of flow back to the Mondays and Thursdays, and uh, we'll see you then. But remember, in the meantime, to go and get your tickets for the Wisemen Say live show in London on the 2nd of September at the Southwark Brewery. It's a £10 ticket. You can buy it on wisemensay.co.uk. The tickets have actually started to pick up. Uh, ticket sales I've started to pick up in the last few days so if you're a London based London fan I know that loads of you there who listen get yourself along to that and we'd love to see you there so we'll be back on Monday thanks for listening Wise Men Say Sun FM Preview Show with Stephen Goldsmith and Gareth Barker All Things Sunderland Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.